The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Good morning to you. Yes, uh, last Sunday, last Sunday I was in church and I was actually in Kenya and the sun was shining and it was beautifully warm and uh, the skies were blue and... uh, the service was in Swahili, so that did give a slight complication for me. I had a little bit of translation, but it was a little bit difficult. And it was an interesting service. They were worship, as there usually is, you know, a usual service in one sense. And then came the offering. And uh, in Africa, they make more of a thing of offering sometimes. So like they brought the baskets up the front, and people came and gave their tithes. And then they had another basket where people came and gave their offerings. And I was just watching this happening, you know, like, okay, it's going on. And then this guy leads a goat up to the front. And I thought, what? That's, that's the first for me. That's the first for me to see a goat in church um, being led to the front. And I realized that this, or oh, then the goat came, and then somebody bought a bag of some fruits or something, and that was put at the front. And uh, I thought, well, praise God. You know, it takes not just our finances. But here was a people who were bringing of their best. They wanted to bring something to the Lord's house to say thank you. And that was just, you know, I was just sort of laughing inside of that. But then, then the church service suddenly changed from that into an auction. And they then auctioned off the goat to raise more money. And they auctioned off the fruit. And that that really just, uh, that was was the icing on the cake for me, really. So... um, as you can see, I had a deeply spiritual experience <laughs> overseas that was affecting me. Uh, I love the fact that you walk into different cultures, and uh, that is a challenge. I realized that the people who I was with, I was with a man called John Magoba, a Ugandan, and uh, a guy called Stephen Kamway, and uh, both of these men I've known for quite some time. Stephen is... Uh, as I heard his story this week, he was a 15-year-old, no, about a 14-year-old boy when he connected with John Melindy and World Trumpet Mission and grew up and learned how to pray and is a, is a deeply spiritual man. And the reason that I went, because some people think, like, well, why did you go to Uganda? I know you've been there before and all this sort of stuff. I simply went because I need to spend time with people who know more and have more experience of things that we do not have. I can spend time in this country talking to pastors, and I do, and I have good conversations, and there's many uh, good people that I associate with and that we have friendships around here, some of those of you have met uh, over the years. But it's important for me to go to a place where, they, where I would say they have something that we do not have. So that's why I go there. I go there to spend time with them. For me, it's not a case, you know, you need to preach at this church, you need to do this. They don't, well, they do need some of the things that we have. They definitely need this issue of timing. That, 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 that goes without saying. Um, They need many things from us, but we also need many things from them. So it's a great privilege. I find it a privilege to be able to go there to learn, to go there to listen, to go there to see, to go there to understand, so that we can gain 
from what they have. And I have to say this time, probably more so than any other, I feel as though I have been enriched with spending the time with the people that I have been. On going out there, I decided I, I, I was going to go, so I, I spoke to Stephen and John and said, look, I'm going to come out. Uh, this is the time I'm going to come out. Please, can you just arrange your program? You know the sort of things that I want to do. We want to learn more about prayer. We want to be at some all-night prayer meetings. We want, I want to experience some things. So can you get that arranged? So that, yes, yes, that's fine. And it's interesting because there were challenges with that because I discovered before I was going, I thought, okay, John has got one idea, Stephen's got one idea, and these two don't seem to be in agreement. And we were going to go to the west of Uganda, and I was going to go with Stephen, and we were going to do some ministry to some pastors there in Uganda. And then John was saying that we needed to go to Kenya, and what is this? I mean, I have been to Kenya before, but I don't quite understand what's going on. Anyway, that's fine. We're just going to leave it to the Lord. So it's a bit difficult because Helen is very good. She doesn't ask too many questions because it's good because I don't have too many answers because she sort of say, like, what are you going to do? And I would say, like, well, we're going to go out there and I'm going to be with these people, which means I've no real idea until we get there and we'll see how things unfold. So first of all, I did spend some time in Uganda and I went to Stephen's church. We did go to an all-night prayer meeting. Well, not all night because we finished about 2 o'clock um, on, on the Friday and... I can't remember what we did on a Saturday. And then on Sunday, I went back to his church, and I did preach at his church. And then, we, that, then they said, right, we're going to go across to Kenya, uh, so we're going to get the coach. So that was another beautiful experience. Coach, we all know what a coach is like. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, there weren't any goats on the coach, so that was good news. Uh, so coach was 15 hours. So that was a bit of a challenge. And they said to me, that, don't drink too much. Don't drink too much because, you know, you don't know when you're going to stop. So, okay. So I just had a small bottle of water. We'd eaten at, like, we'd eaten about 2 o'clock, I think. No, no, 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. And we got the coach at 4.30 in the Sunday afternoon. So we get on this coach, and off we go uh, to Kenya. And uh, you don't know when is the coach going to stop? You know, what's going to happen? You don't know these things. You do know that you've got to come to the border of Uganda and Kenya, and obviously you've got to show your passports and things like that. Um, anyway, the coach journey goes on, and it does stop at one point, and, and they just said, well, you can get off if you want. So I thought, well, I've been sitting here for so many hours, so yeah, I will get off. But this was a loo break. I didn't realize that. And I wonder where you stopped. You know, you get out of the coach, and you just just by the side of the road. <laughs> It's not quite English. That's all I can say. It's not quite English. But it's good for it's good experience. So I get there and there's just a field. But fortunately there's some high grasses because the high grasses, the ladies can go over there, and there's just a line of guys sort of weeing up against the okay. I thought, okay, I, I fortunately I haven't had much to drink. I'm fine, I'm fine. Uh, so these are some of the experiences that you go through. And those that have experienced these things, you'll know what I mean. When we got to the border, I had in my mind I thought, oh, you know what, I just I don't know why, I pictured the idea of a service station in the UK. I mean, you know, maybe not as good. I, I'd, I'd somehow, I, I don't know why, but I pictured that, that we're going to go to the border crossing, and at the border crossing, it's going to be, you can buy a coffee, you know, and maybe you could buy a, a, a something to eat. That's what it's going to be like. That was foolish. <laughs> that was foolish thinking. So you get off the coach, and you're just like, okay, we're going passport control, do this bit. Then it's like Ugandan passport control, Kenyan passport control. And we were all as individuals, so suddenly I was by myself. 
And then you realize that the people you're with, they've gone, and John got caught up because he didn't have a yellow uh, fever certificate or something. And, you know, this sort of thing's like, so you're by yourself, and suddenly, uh, where do I go now? Where's the coach? Where's everybody? Why do I feel alone? Why? Oh, come this way, come this way, says somebody. And so you think, like, should I go that way? I mean, you know, like, hang on. And so I did get led away. And then we came to the service station part, which wasn't. It was, it was just sort of African cafe type thing, you know, and stalls and stuff. And, uh, and I didn't have any Kenyan money at that point. So anyway, there was no coffee, there was no worries. And, um, and I got back on, I saw the coach, got back on the coach, was promptly told, no, you can't come back to the coach, you need to go down that way. It was all this sort of stuff. In the end, hallelujah, I saw Stephen, and we were okay, and we got back on the coach, and then sometime the next morning, we got dropped off at the side of the road in the middle of Nairobi, which in itself was fairly crazy. Um, but we got there safely, and we stayed at a house of a, of a, a lady who was a... Um, really like a mission person for World Trumpet Mission in Kenya. And uh, that was a great blessing. We had a great time. So we spent m a lot of time at her house in Nairobi. And then we went to a village where she'd also got another property, and we went there, which was some uh, 200 miles away. We went to this village, and we were there. And that's where I was at church last Sunday. So there's been a lot of discussions and things that have been happening, and prayer and stuff that's been going on. But it's really trying to dis discover what is it that they are carrying? What is it that they can do? Why is it that they seem to be able to pray? Why is it that they seem to be able to, to see things happen in the spiritual realm? How can we deal with the spiritual realm? How can we understand the spiritual realm more than we do? How can we get out of our mindsets? And you realize that you, sometimes you need to go away from your culture so that you see things from a different point of view, so that you can understand things. And as I say, I felt uh, towards the end of my time that I had come to understand some things and, uh, and that that was really helpful. The trouble is, even as I stand here this morning, is really knowing how do I unpack those things? That's the difficulty. How do I unpack it in a way that you seem like, ah, oh, yes, that all makes sense. Because after all, we are all reading the same scriptures. Um, and we've all been in church, or we've got experience of church life, and so there's a lot that we already know. There's lots of stories we know in the Bible, and they're the same stories that they refer to. But why is it that they are able to pray more than we are? And you know what? I, I, I realized again that I think where we come from in prayer is like, you know, we want to say a few prayers. We have issues in our lives. So we might be praying for our uh, friends or our family or sicknesses or issues that are around you that you want, God, please, will you deal with these things? And that's something that we, we tend to pray about. But sometimes it's quite, okay, once that's done, you know, is there anything else? Oh, I don't think there is. And I've recognized, particularly this time, there is how little we really need God. That's not a true statement, but it's how we live our lives. We need him when things are outside of our control, when things are too big for us, God, please, can you help me? And you know what? God is so willing and so able and so wants to help us in those times. But the rest of the time, it's almost as though we say, like, oh, I've got this one, so, so, you know, I, can, I can sort things out, I, I, I'm fine. And then we carry on doing what we want to do, and we don't, it's almost like we don't need God. And that reflects itself in our prayer times. And I don't need to complain at you. I know this within myself. 
I know that I can sit there and I can say, how long have I been praying for? Oh, for goodness sake, why isn't the time moving? I know that that's how it can be. I want to be in a place where time doesn't matter. I want to be in a place to see the reality of God come amongst his people and do the things that, he, that I've read about in his scriptures. I want to see that. And God hasn't changed. So the problem in these things is not on God's side. The issue is somehow within us. And you know what? We can't see it. Because we are blinded. We are numbed. And the enemy does hold our hearts and our lives in a state of numbness, confusion, that we can't see the issues that we need to deal with. And so how do we overcome? Praise God, there is one who is able to help us, and that is the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I was thinking, particularly when I was away, but when we were looking at Romans, and we were digging into Romans, one of the things that really struck me, because it's there, is the fact that we're told that we need to live by the Holy Spirit. And again, this is something that we say like, yes, you know, if I was to say, let's have a show of hands. Who knows that as Christians we're supposed to live by the Holy Spirit? Yeah, yeah, you know, lots of hands going up all over the place because we know that. So then we come to the second question. So, okay, how are we doing at that? It's like, oh, don't ask me that question. You know, hey, Jonathan, have you got an answer for that? And I find myself, no, I'm lacking in answers for that. Because you see, we know a lot, but we also don't know deep within ourselves how to actually walk in those things. And that's our problem because the scriptures say that those who are the sons of God know how to walk by the spirits of God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be declared as the son of God. I want to be one who knows their God. Because the people who know their God, they shall do exploits. That's what Daniel said. And we want to do exploits. I want to see my nation being brought back to the kingdom of God, not being taken away from it. I want to see people's lives being turned around so that they may be set free from the bondages that they are under and that they may live a life fully for the things of the kingdom of God rather than being under oppression and under captivity of the things of darkness. I want to see people being liberated. I want to see the church on fire. I want to see people being able to say, who are these people? They are the people of God. You know, it was back in um, Antioch. Paul, the Apostle Paul, after he'd been saved, Barnabas took him to Antioch. And they obviously realized, I can see something in this guy, Paul, which is hardly surprising. He'd converted, as we know, or if you don't know, he'd converted from being a Jewish Pharisee, high, learned Pharisee, following the ways, persecuting Christians, to being saved because he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Transformed is not really the word. It completely changed his life. And Paul now living as a Christian and just learning the things of God. But this guy Barnabas, another, another uh, Christian, gets hold of him and says, okay, come down, come down to Antioch. And he spent some time in Antioch. Now what we read about in Antioch is this. It's in Antioch that they were first called Christians. Until that time, Christians, as we know it, those who were following Jesus were known as people of the way. Because there was a way that they were walking. There was a way that they were doing life. There was a way that they were following. And that way, that's why they were all your people of the way. Because you're following a certain way. You're following the ways of Jesus. But in Antioch is where they first became known as Christians. Christ-like ones. And that's what we need to become. The church doesn't need to be a place where like, oh, the church, what do they believe in? Some believe this, some believe that, some do this, some do that. I was horrified in one sense to, to read of the, in the press this, this um, 
immigrant who, who threw acid at somebody and unfortunately has eventually died, uh, killed himself in the River Thames. That guy, that was in the press just before I went away. And it says that, that he gained entry to the UK by saying he was a Christian. Now, I'm not denouncing him for the issues that he was facing from his culture or whatever coming here. That's a separate issue. The issue I have is that he says he's a Christian. Fine. The man, if he's a Christian, he should be allowed to, to be free to live a Christian life. However, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? In Antioch, the people knew, hey, these people are like Christ. Therefore, we're going to call them Christ-like ones. That's where the name came from, because they were like Jesus Christ. Now, somebody could say, I'm a Christian. When you say, well, what does that look like? It looks like all different things. It shouldn't do. Being a Christian means that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. It means that your life is being led by the Holy Spirit. That you are no longer in control of yourself, but that you have given your life over to him. And you say, Lord, you've saved me. You've saved me from all of the sins that I've done in the past. You've rescued me out of darkness. You've taken me out of that position. And you have brought me into your kingdom so that I might live for your kingdom. And I might be an example of your kingdom. In fact, not just an example. That I might be one who helps to bring your kingdom in to where I am. Because we have been saved out of darkness into the kingdom of God. And as people in the kingdom of God, our role is now to take more territory for that kingdom. is to see his kingdom come. That's why Jesus said in his prayer, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, the establishment of God's kingdom that is in heaven... It is for Christians to bring that down here upon the earth so that everybody around us can see, ah, he is alive. God is alive. He's real. He can do the things that he said he can do. He is the one that I've been looking for. Because people outside of here, they are looking for hope. They are looking for reality. They're looking for forgiveness. They're looking for peace. They're looking for transformation. They're looking for somebody who can help them. And Jesus is the answer for all of those questions. And that's why it's so important for us to be transformed. But I can't, I can't ask you to be transformed unless I also am transformed. I can't lead you in places where I have not been. Hence, the, the quest to say, Lord, please, come and change me. We can only reproduce what we are. It's a simple fact. We might like to say different things. We like persuade people to do different things. But in the end, we can only reproduce who we are. And that's been the burden of my heart. And that's the reason why I went out to Uganda and went out to Kenya. That's the reason why I'm pursuing these relationships. That's the reason why I keep seeking God in prayer. Because, Lord, change me that I might see my nation changed. Change us that we might see Bromley changed. Change us that we might see our neighbors, our friends, our communities being changed. And that isn't going to happen by me saying like, hey, evangelism, come on, we need to do some evangelism, come on. Because we all know the answer is yes, we should. We all know that. 
The issue isn't about what we know. The issue is about what we do. And we need a heart that says, Lord, I'm hungry for you. We need a heart that says, Lord, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And that heart isn't easy to find. Because it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit and only he can do that in us. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to change us. We need you to infect our lives. We need you to transform our lives. We need, we need you to change us. If you go to Deuteronomy 8, and I, I have to finish with this. Um, Deuteronomy verse, uh, chapter 8 is interesting. Interesting from the fact that it's Moses talking to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy is a book I love because it's, it's Moses giving his, sort of like, okay, it's before he finishes his life. He gets the children of Israel together. He says, like, okay, guys, look, I'm going to give you a rundown of everything we've just been through. So it's like a summary. Let me just summarize the last 40 years. Let's just do that. So bring you up to spec so that you're all on the same page, ready for the next part of your history. And in this, in chapter 8, he, he says this, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. So in other words, he's trying to bring them back. Remember these things. I, I don't want to give you some little hints here. I want to give you some things that it's important for you to notice and important for you to get hold of. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Look, do you remember that? I just want to remind you. I want to bring you back to those things so that you uh, can remember what's happened. He humbled you, it says in verse 3, he humbled you to hunger, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's reminded us, guys, you came through this situation, and you came through it for a reason, because God wanted to let you know you need him. You need him. Now, I was only reading this the other day, and it suddenly struck me again. You forget, if we were to go to where they were, you're in a desert. You're in a wilderness. It's not like there's a farm down the road. It's not like there's a shop down the road. There's nothing. You've got nowhere to get food, and there's hundreds of thousands of people here. How are we going to do it? God will provide because he brings manna to them. You see, the circumstances, if we could picture the circumstances, how are we going to live? But God provides. And God provided for them for 40 years with that manna. But Moses is saying to them, the reason he did this, he wanted you to understand you need God daily. Man cannot live on bread only. He needs every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how we can survive today in this nation, in this generation. is no different. We need him. You see, now, if I say that, you think, well, okay, yeah, I understand that. But, you know, I've got work tomorrow, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I've got lunch today, and we've got all that prepared. I don't really need him. Look, I don't need him because I've got food in the fridge. That's it. And Moses went on in this chapter to warn us about this very situation. He told them about a few other things, like their clothes and things didn't wear out. Again, could you not notice that this is God? But then he says in verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied... Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine homes and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud 
and you will forget the Lord your God. That's what Moses told them in those days. And here we are with our fridges and our freezers have got food in, with our homes, with our clothes, with our families, with our cars, with our bits and pieces. And of course we're going to say like, well, of course they've got more than me, or my car's broken down, or I need this, they're better off than I am, I haven't got that. We're looking at all of them, but nevertheless, God is good to us. But what happens is our pride, our satisfaction, without us realizing it, takes over. And we forget God. I was humbled from the point of view that every time we went out in the car, the lady whose house we were staying in would pray. And she wouldn't just say, Lord, please give us a safe journey. It was pleading the blood of Jesus over the car. It was doing this, doing that. And I'm grateful because the roads are a nightmare. But nevertheless, there's something, it's just something touched my heart. Lord, how, why do I just forget? Why do I forget? We can forget even just to say thank you for our meals. Because it's just there and it's busy and, you know, like, oh, come on, everybody's doing different. We can just forget to say, Lord, thank you for the provision of this meal. Thank you. Our pride takes over. Pride is not from God. Pride is not from God. Pride is from the enemy. And that seed grows within us and it causes a blindness in our hearts which takes us away from God. So we think like, I don't need him. And all that happens without us noticing. These are some of the issues that we have to deal with. And I'm not sure how we deal with them, apart from the fact that God is able to do what we are unable to do. He's the one that can open our eyes. He's the one that can open our hearts. He's the one that can bring conviction. It says in John 16 that when he comes, talking of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will bring conviction of our guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. I say, Holy Spirit, please come. We need you. We need you more than our words can say. We need you each and every day. We need you to break into the hardness of our lives. We need you to unveil the corruption of our hearts. We need you to show us how proud and arrogant we are. We need you to help us. Please, Holy Spirit. Hear our cries. Break every stronghold that the enemy has erected against us in this nation. Cause our eyes to be open. Cause our hearts to be open. Cause a hunger for you to arise in our hearts. Father, let your truth be made known to our hearts. You have said that your spirit will guide us into all truth. We're crying out to you, Holy Spirit. Please lead our hearts into truth. Please lead us into understanding. Please open our eyes. Please open our hearts that we might know you. Not just to know you, but that we might live for you. That we might be called Christians because we are Christ-like ones. Not just because it's a title that's been given to us, but it's a reality of you living in our hearts. Father, have mercy upon us. Bring transformation to us. Lead us in your ways, we pray. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at 
www.bromleytownchurch.com.